Welcome to Happy Trails, the podcast for trail riders. Episode 7, Riding in Ireland. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Jess. I love adventure, and I think that trail riding gives everyone a sense of excitement, whether it's just in your back field or out in the wilderness. There's always something new and interesting to see and experience. I've always wanted to travel internationally to ride, and I thought today it would be really interesting to talk to my friend Crystal Kelly, who has done a lot of that. Crystal is a California native who has spent the majority of her life traveling the world pursuing her passion for horses. She's an FEI Level 2 show jumping coach, polo player, and endurance rider. She completed the Mongol Derby, a 1,000-kilometer race across the Mongolian steppes, in 2014, riding 35 semi-wild Mongolian ponies over 10 days. She has traveled to over 60 countries for riding or teaching. Crystal is the CEO of Equestrian Adventuresses, a community of women that love horses, travel, and adventure. On today's episode, Crystal tells me about her recent trip to Ireland, where she spent a month riding and camping as she made her way across the island. Hi, Crystal. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm really excited to talk to you today. You've been so many places. Do you have a favorite? I have. Oh, gosh. I have a few. <laughs> I have a few. I, you know, I can't say I dislike any place, to be honest. Um, Greenland, we went this year, and Greenland was very special. And it was one of those places that, like, every view, and I'm just like, oh, my God, thank God I'm alive, because this is amazing. Um, Greenland was a very special place. And one of my favorites, which I always talk about, is Bhutan. Bhutan also is very special. Um, oh, gosh. I really, I, if you're going to Europe, I really love Romania. And Slovenia was also really great. And Greece. Um, oh, gosh. And pretty much everywhere. Huh? Yeah, I know. That's the thing. How many countries <laughs> I visited? Um, pretty much everywhere. I, again, I can't say, like, don't go there and ride because it's not that nice. Like, no, just if you're thinking about going, just go. <laughs> we have a big, wonderful world to explore. Everybody needs to get out and see it. Yes, exactly. So do you have some places on your personal bucket list that you haven't been to yet? So many. Um, I actually have a goal of traveling to every country in the world. Um, There's 197, and I've only been to about 60. So I have quite a few more to do, but I've been up until now mostly working in countries. So I'm, you know, there for a year or two, and I'm not traveling so much. Uh, I I know you might laugh at that because I went to like six places this year. But... (laughs) Um, yeah, I really, really, and I'm going to say some places and probably your viewers or your listeners, sorry, are going to be like, no, don't go there. But I really want to go to Saudi Arabia. Um, I really want to go, oh gosh, I have to like narrow it down. I want to see like all of Africa. I haven't really traveled to too many places in Africa, just a couple. And I like, there's not a country in Africa I don't want to see, but there's some higher up on my list than others. But I would love to ride horses in Africa, like on a safari or in Namibia. And, okay, I'm just going to keep it to those ones for now. All of Africa (laughs) and Saudi Arabia. (laughs) What in particular draws you to Saudi Arabia? 
I am fascinated by the desert. And I also really like um, Arabic culture. And I have traveled a lot to different um, Middle Eastern countries. Like I've been to Qatar and I've been to Iraq and I went to Oman and Yemen. Um, there's a lot of exploring that I do for personal reasons, not just horsey related, but like I need to learn the answers to questions like the why. And I need to know how the world works and why people do what they do and why they think the way they think and why they dress the way they dress or eat the food that they eat or, you know, I just, I need to know why. And Saudi Arabia, I think has a lot of questions that I need answered. Um, because I've learned about a lot of other places and yeah, I just feel like it's an interesting place that I would really like to go and see the desert and talk to some people and um, yeah, just sort of get some of the questions that I have answered. Hmm. Interesting. So if you like the desert so much, uh, is that your preferred environment for riding or do you have a favorite, like the mountains or rolling hills or the prairies? Um, as far as riding terrain, I love speed. I love to go fast. I love fast horses. I love fast horses. Um, so the desert is great because you can go fast and there's nothing. Like there's no limit like you can see the horizon and you can go forever i love that feeling mongolia gives you that feeling this kind of vast wild steps you know um but i love the desert because like people aren't meant to survive there like it's empty and it's a mystery and it's i think i have a very big respect for nature and I think not so many people nowadays respect nature so much because we have so many gadgets and tools. You know, you can build a house in a country where you're not meant to survive, but you have heating. So you don't really feel like you're not meant to survive there. But I feel like, I don't know, the desert, there's still so many places where even with all this technology, you can't survive. You can't live there. And we're not meant to. Like human beings aren't meant to conquer the desert. And I think I really love that, that when I'm with my horse and we're like in the nature and I have this huge respect for my horse and the nature. And it's just like a surreal feeling, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Where is it that you live normally? Uh, the past two years I was living in England. Um, technically right now, I guess you could say I'm homeless. Um, I'm sort of in between places, so I don't live anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like me. Exactly. Yeah. You live wherever you feel like it at the time. Pretty much. Wherever my suitcase is that night. <laughs> so don't you still have horses? Where are they? I do. Um, so I had bought two horses while living in England and they are right now in Ireland because I rode across Ireland with them. And where we finished, um, there's this, they have this like gorgeous sea view. They're in this like beautiful pasture overlooking these mountains in the sea. And they have like a way nicer life than I have. <laughs> what kind of horses are they? So I have one. She is a part Arabian and her name is Lily. And then the other one is an ex race horse. Her name is Q. Um, so they're both mares and they're both, um, they're both quite funny. How old are they? So Lily, the part Arabian is eight and Q, the thoroughbred is seven. How long have you had them? 
So Lily, I bought pretty much as soon as I moved to England. Um, I actually didn't own horses. I was the past 10 years working in various countries and I travel so much. I never committed to actually owning a horse. And when I moved to England, I decided that it was time. So pretty much a month after I moved to England, I bought Lily. And my husband started to learn to ride on Lily. And of course, he loved it and loved her. So after about a year of him learning, taking lessons with me every day, I decided it was time for him to get his own horse. And that's where we got Q, the thoroughbred. And he adores Q. They're actually the perfect match for each other. Does he enjoy trail riding with you? Oh, yeah. It's funny because Q actually is, I mean, she's a bit more chill than the part Arabian. Actually, she's super chill. And in this ride across Ireland, she really kind of proved her worth. And she was so good with Christian. And he just had so much fun on her. Half the time, he wasn't even holding the reins. And he was just kind of plodding along. And she was just kind of doing her thing. And then also because she's a thoroughbred, when we do gallop on the beach or something, she's got some giddy up, which, of course, he loves. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fun watching him, like, how much fun he's having with it. That's awesome. What are the trails like in the UK? So in England, um, they have a lot of, they call them bridal paths, which is quite nice. Um, so they have sort of certain trails which are for horse riding, or, you know, people could walk on them as well or something like that. So you might come across somebody walking their dog or whatever, but they have these kind of designated bridal paths and some of them are longer than others. So I was doing some endurance rides, um, both of us. So we would kind of load up our horses and go. I would say there's not trails long enough, at least not that I experienced, where you could do like a full day endurance without meeting some road here or there. But they could kind of mix and match the different bridleways or, um, yeah, so you could kind of make different loops or in different spots. But yeah, it was quite fun. I wouldn't say they were like difficult trails. England is not known for like, I don't know, having hardcore mountains or rough terrain. I think probably if I was riding in Dartmoor or Exmoor or something, I would have found something like that. But where I was, it was pretty flat or like small rolling hills. It was like riding on a lot of sheep fields, crossing some little like small wooden bridges or little fords or small little tiny rivers or something like that. But nothing like super extreme. It was all quite manageable. I think I liked riding in England because you see the picturesque, cute little British villages. So you're riding through these little tiny British villages, like what we see in the movies. And so for that, it was really cute. Or you're riding and you see this gorgeous estate home. So I liked exploring England that way to see kind of the British landscape and the cute little villages. Yeah, that must have been really cool. It's just such an old world feel when you're in one of those little villages and everything is made out of cobblestones and they have the the wooden sign outside of the pub. Oh yeah, and you definitely, there's, I mean, not maybe on the endurance ride, but on when you're just riding for fun, we would definitely stop at the pub and <laughs> have, a, have a drink or, you know, just relax with our horses for a little bit before riding on. So that's definitely a lot of fun and really nice. Was Ireland kind of like that? Can you tell me, you know, give me the overview of the Ireland trip. So Ireland, um, so our plan was to ride from the south to the north. And uh, we did about a month and a half this journey every day, just kind of riding about 30 kilometers a day. 
And unfortunately in Ireland, they don't have bridle paths. They don't have trails. And it's kind of a big topic that I could go on and on and on about. Um, but we were basically riding on the roads. And Ireland, I would say I was shocked at how beautiful Ireland is as a country. Like, I don't know, in movies they show it as like sheep fields or something, which there is a part like in the middle where it's just kind of rolling hills and sheep or cows. But there's so much like stunning landscape, especially if you're along the West Coast or where my horses are right now, which is in Ross's Point near Sligo. I mean, it's just so unbelievably beautiful that we had stunning views on a daily basis, and especially the cute little towns and the friendliness of the people. So riding in Ireland, it was kind of a clash between old and new, because you're seeing the old-style villages, but then, you know, you're spending all day on riding on a road, not on a trail. So, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience. How did you get your horses there to start the ride? So we hired a horse box. It's a person that actually, um, he has his own like business transporting horses back and forth from the UK to Ireland. So he's very familiar with the ferry boat crossing and like the timings and how everything works. And because our horses were, they both have a UK passport. So right now, obviously this is kind of pre-Brexit, but there's no extra paperwork needed Um, for the horses to go from England to Ireland. So, you know, we didn't need, other than their passport and their normal vaccinations, we just basically loaded them up in his horse box. Um, The guy was friendly and we rode, my husband and I, we rode in the horse box with him. We just had to separate, like, on the actual ferry. And then, yeah, he sort of dropped us off and off he went (laughs) to go pick up other horses. (laughs) It wasn't too complicated of a process either. I mean, we got our passport stamps, like, I got mine because I'm American, Christian's German, so, you know, he didn't have to have a stamp to enter Ireland. But the horses, they didn't need anything. The customs didn't check them or inspect them. They just kind of waved us on by after we got our, after I got my stamp. So, yeah, it was pretty easy. Is that common in European countries where you guys are so close together? It's like you would be crossing international borders all the time? So I did work in several countries in mainland Europe, not just um, the UK. And it is very easy to load them up in a horse box and drive around any country within the EU, if you're in the Schengen especially. So I think that's definitely common for um, people riding in competitions. Maybe not as common for just like a holiday, I don't know, trail riding person because it is long distances. But yeah, I, I think it is definitely common. I think it's more expensive if you're living in the UK Obviously, it costs money to put your horses on the ferry boat, so it is a little bit more expensive. I wouldn't say that's something that people are doing often, maybe like once a year if they've qualified for a really big competition or something. But they wouldn't be going back and forth frequently, I don't think. So how did it work when you arrived in Ireland? You get your horses off the ferry and you just tack them up and pack your bags and start trotting down the road? Um, So we actually, it's quite funny, um, a lady who is from Ireland, she sort of randomly emailed me, I think, when I had the idea about going to ride across Ireland, but I hadn't actually, I don't plan things, I'm horrible at planning. So I had the idea, but I didn't act on it, but I kind of had it in my brain that I'm going to do this adventure. And I got a random email, a woman had found me on one of my websites, 
And she just kind of contacted me and mentioned where she lives in Ireland. And I messaged her back and I said, oh, it's funny that you're in Ireland. I'm thinking about doing this ride with my horses. And so basically she invited me and the horses to come stay with her. And she just so happened to be at like the very close to the most southern tip of Ireland um, in a beautiful place called uh, Baltimore. And so we ended up, the guy with the horse box drove us to her place. We unloaded the horses. And then he drove away with our girth. <laughs> so we couldn't oh, no. start We couldn't start the next day. We had to wait for him to mail it to us. Um, so <laughs> we, were, we were trapped with this gorgeous sea view. Um, but yeah, so we waited until we got the girth in the mail. And then we started off on our adventure. And yeah, basically we just started... We basically just saddled them up, put our bags on the horses. Didn't really know how to put bags on the horses, but we figured it out and fashioned something. And off we went. So if you didn't really plan ahead of time, did you have nightly stops? Definitely not. Arranged? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's not adventurous. Um, (laughs) No, our plan was basically to knock on people's houses on their doors and say, hey, you have a field, it looks like. Do you have a place that we can keep our horses for the night? And we have a tent if it's okay if we camp there as well. And that was our plan. And it actually worked. So yeah, for a month and a half, there was only two nights where we genuinely panicked, like thinking we weren't going to get a place to stay um, because people were turning us away. So there was a couple of times where we were really worried And there was a couple of times where we stayed in maybe not the most ideal places or situations. But for the most part, we stayed in some pretty nice places and we got to meet. I mean, every day we're meeting new people. So we got to meet a whole lot of just really nice, cool people. And it doesn't sound like it should work, but in Ireland it works. I don't think the same tactic of knocking on doors would work everywhere, but it definitely works in Ireland. Ireland is such a historically horse-rich country. I can imagine that, although I've never been there, so I can't say from personal experience, I just have this this idea and this perception that if you're on a horse in Ireland, somebody's going to, you know, slap it on the rump and tell you you're doing a great job. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I had that, I think, kind of American stereotype fantasy as well which is partially why I wanted to go to Ireland to do this ride, because it's something I've been thinking about since I was a kid. Like, you want to ride horses, you go to Ireland. (laughs) And um, I would say, unfortunately, some of the culture has been lost. I think it's more on the, like, the newer generation. The older generation still remember, you know, people traveling with their horses or with their horse cart. Um, So they still remember it and have that culture. So usually if we were talking to, let's say, the older generation, they would always, like, help us somehow, even if they couldn't, but maybe they would point us to someone that did have a field or, you know. Um, But the newer generation, or if we were close to cities especially, that's where we had a more harder time um, trying to get people to welcome us because – I think the newer generation is like stranger danger or, you know, yeah. So it did kind of depend, but it was, it was still interesting because horses, it's not normal to see horses riding up and down the village or on the road anymore. So a lot of people were excited to see, you know, like, oh my gosh, we're seeing horses. I've never seen a horse down this street. So they would kind of come and talk to you and 
offer advice or something. So yeah, it was um, it was very interesting. Wow, it sounds like one heck of an adventure, and it definitely takes a very specific type of person and personality in order to take on a crazy endeavor like this with very little planning and no security, like knowing where you're going to stay at night. So I give you and your husband a ton of credit for having the guts to go out and do that. Well, thank you. Um, I think, I don't know, I've done a lot of um, adventures with my life, a lot of different ones. I mean, not exactly like this. This is the first time I've done this. But I feel like, I don't know, a lot of people make it sound like it's more complicated than it really is. You know, like in order to do something, you have to do this or you have to have this much money in your bank account or you have to or you have to. I don't know. And they have all of these kind of reasons why it can't be done. And I think it doesn't have to be that complicated. And I think if you have an idea and you truly want to do it, not like. I kind of would like to do that maybe, but like you have to do it or you'll die. I think you find a way. So I think it doesn't have to be as complicated. Obviously there's some situations, you know, it was interesting for me because I have, it's not just me. I've been homeless in other countries. I've lived in other countries doing crazy stuff, but I, it was just me. And in Ireland, it's like, I'm now responsible for my two horses. They need a field for the night. I can't just park them on a tree next to the road on busy traffic. Like, they need somewhere that they can sleep tonight. And it was about them. So it was kind of a different experience for me to be responsible for others <laughs> and to have to put myself kind of in a vulnerable situation where I'm needing strangers' help. I need them to like give us a field for the night at least for the horses I can pitch my tent or whatever but like I needed the kindness of strangers and the trip couldn't have happened without the kindness of strangers and that was something new for me because I'm kind of you know pretty independent but yeah to have to put myself into that sort of vulnerable situation it was definitely eye-opening experience. Wow sounds awesome and thank you so much for talking with me and sharing this story you have been so many places and done so much cool stuff. I can't wait to have you back on and talk about all of your other adventures. Well, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Crystal and perhaps were inspired to start planning an international trip to take when life goes back to normal. To learn more about Crystal Kelly and her travels, visit chriscolumbustravel.com. You'll also get her free ebook travel guides when you visit her website, equestrianadventuresses.com. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy trails! The Happy Trails podcast was created and produced by me, Jessica Isbrecht. The show's music was written and performed by Jason Shaw, 